Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. It seems like mental health has become somewhat of a theme here on Cause Pods, and I'm glad that it is because as we've been saying the last two episodes, we need to take care of ourselves, the whole person, not just the physical, but also the mental. And so I'm glad we are getting into these discussions more and more. I'm excited to take us up to Boston today as we are chatting with Jillian Teets. She's the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, and this is all about her journey of ending drinking and what it has done to better her life and how she can help others. Jillian, thank you so much for joining us here on CosPods today. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, the way you describe it, powerful language. Alcohol destroyed my mental health. If you're okay with it, tell us a little bit about what was going on, what was happening, and how you got out of that spiral. Yeah. So I didn't start drinking until I was 22. And as soon as I started drinking, it was immediately a problem. I wasn't one of those people who drink normally and then it it like slowly escalated over the years I was immediately different from everyone else and probably two years into my drinking I started being obsessed with moderation and trying to figure out how I could control my drinking and I thought that if I could just practice enough I could learn how to drink like everyone else now I know drinking is not actually a skill that you can learn but I was very committed to it for five years. And when I was 25, so about three years into my journey, I started noticing some really negative mental health happening. I would get extremely depressed and I had a hard time getting out of bed. So I implemented some drinking rules naturally to try to control that. And by the time I was 28, I developed anxiety. It was not something I ever suffered with before. Depression was always an issue for me, but anxiety was very new. And the anxiety would keep me up all night long, a few nights per week. So I was getting very sleep deprived and I just felt like crazy. And then really around the same time, so this was the last year of my drinking, I also developed suicidal thoughts. And it was weird. It wasn't like I had a desire to end things. My mind was just telling me that that is what I should do. And now that I'm sober, like I know that's actually pretty common. And the reason that you know, I talk about this and tell everybody this really personal stuff is because I have heard stories and I've talked to people who have been affected by people either taking their life or attempting to take their life because of their drinking. And I really believe that those feelings aren't real. And that's what I saw when I quit. They disappeared 
and it's been eight months and I have not had any scary thoughts or all night long anxiety attacks ever since. That's incredible. And congratulations on winning that battle. And I know when you talk to folks who have battled drinking that it's not over, right? It's always, it's an ongoing thing. The influence is always around us, just part of the culture that it's tough to avoid. So keep up the good fight. Thank you. I'm fascinated by what you said about suicide. I want to get back to that. But something caught me early on when you said you didn't start drinking till you were 22. And then maybe because it took so long for you to maybe try it, 21's the age officially, and, you know, everyone tries a little bit when they're younger. Is there a reason why there was never alcohol in your life before that? And do you think that might have played a role in how deep you got into drinking when you were finally able to? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think there were two contributing factors for me getting started so late in life. The first is that I was exposed to unhealthy drinking at home. So my parents had a really bad marriage. My dad was very abusive and cruel. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And my mom, she would drink to cope with that pain. You know, she didn't go nuts or like no one really knew. She would drink and we would watch TV together and it helped with her pain. I mean, it caused it to, but it helped with it. So that was the reason. And also, I didn't have the opportunity to drink. Like, obviously, when I turned 21, I did. But I was very badly bullied through all of middle and high school. So I never went to a party. The only party that I ever went to, I was 20 years old, and I didn't drink at it. I was the only person not drinking at the party. So I was really never in a space to start drinking. Like my only opportunity would be drinking at home by myself. And it wasn't an interest then. Right. Based on what you had grown up experiencing, it just wasn't something that you had any interest in. So going back to what you said, the, this thing about suicide, and we let off the show with, we've had a lot of discussions about mental health lately on cause pods and a few that haven't even come out yet, but suicide has come up. And I don't think so many people realize that for many people, the suicide is not this active thought of, I need to do it, or woe is me, lost all this money, right? Like, I'm in such a, like, this is my only way out. The way you phrased it, I think just is probably more common than people realize and speaks volumes for what is going on. It's just that like your mind was just telling you almost like, why not? Right. Like, is that a fair way to describe what you were experiencing? Yeah, it was, I would shame myself a lot for my drinking that I couldn't control it and I couldn't be like everybody else. And my mind would start saying like, you know, you're a loser. You should just end it. You should set your husband free. I was definitely making him suffer (laughs) with taking care of my all night anxiety. He would stay up and try to love me and be sweet to me. and, And he wasn't getting any sleep either. So my mind would tell me like, you should just really set him free. And it was just such a sad thought. And it didn't feel like me thinking it. That's different than I think a lot of people would realize. So now you had this battle. You've had these struggles. Again, congrats for recognizing it and 
being able to identify it and know that it's a problem and go get help and turn everything around. But so why, with all of that done and behind you, did you decide that writing and podcasting and sharing your experience was so important to you? I guess I'm just very naturally curious. When I was in school, I always wanted to understand everyone's motivations for things. I would analyze behavior and try to figure it out myself. And when I stopped drinking, I really wanted to understand why was I so different? Because it wasn't something that developed slowly. I think a common understanding is alcohol is an addictive substance. And if you have enough of it over enough time, you are putting yourself at risk, like similar to cigarettes. But that's not what happened to me. From the very first time I drank, I was on a date and I threw up in the parking garage in front of this poor guy. (laughs) We're still friends, though. He forgave me. But it wasn't something that developed. It was just me. So I was really curious, like, like, why am I like this? And I have a master's degree in biology, and I am very capable of reading scientific literature and, and understanding it. So I went in search of genetic information, psychology information. How do our bodies even process alcohol? How does it affect the brain? And I would do this research every single day, and then I just started writing for myself. It became very therapeutic, and I would explain everything to my husband. I like to talk. And then it just naturally became something like, I should tell people this. Like, I know this, and other people should know this. So why then the shift from writing to podcasting? Well, not shift. I mean, I guess you're still writing, right? Like, we'll have a link to your website, obviously, and you can see there's a ton of writing on there. But why did you decide you wanted to add podcasting into the mix? I think writing is excellent. I can link the studies that I'm reading. I can show the figures from papers. But I think explaining it and hearing somebody speak about it is helpful in a different way. That's how I learn through, like the best way for me to learn is to sit in a class and listen to a professor explain something. And now I can have information on my blog that people can read And I can also supplement it with me verbally explaining it for whoever enjoys that more than reading. So take us through the journey of launching a podcast. I assume degree in biology, microphone technique, probably not one of your required classes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know anything about websites or hosting or recording audio, microphones. I have no idea. It's never been something I've been exposed to, but I woke up one day and I was like, I should start a podcast. And I just figured it out. And I recorded my first episode that day and that's it. And I figured out how to host it just through Googling. I recorded it in Zoom. Like I didn't even do anything fancy. I Zoom called myself because that's the only way I knew (laughs) how to record. (laughs) And yeah, I think Once the desire was there, the rest of it wasn't as hard because I knew I wanted to launch this, even if, you know, I'm the only one that listens. It's therapeutic for me to to talk. I love that you say, even if nobody listens, you're still doing it. And the reason why I love that so much is so many people are in this 
chasing downloads, chasing an audience, and they get frustrated because that is difficult. There's no promise or guarantee that you're going to get an audience out of all of this. And so the fact that you're doing this, not for anybody else, but for you, will probably lead to a level of success that those other folks who are chasing it will never attain. And so I kind of love this selfishness of it, which sounds like a negative word, but I really mean <laughs> it in the best way. Like to you, this is therapeutic. And like, if people listen, great. So all that being said now, my question is, what has been the response? What has been feedback from folks about the show, the writing, just the brand, the sober powered brand that you're putting together itself? People don't really know how to, I guess, deal with sober me. I was a lot of people's favorite drinking buddy. So people were, they weren't happy when I quit. I lost some friends. I had some negative feedback. Some people said, like, I just don't understand, you know, why do you have to quit? Why can't you just have one? And so then I explained it. I was like, well, if I have one, I have 100. And when I have 100, I think about killing myself. So can't do it. And I started writing, and in the beginning, I, I expected everybody to just care so much and be a big fan and love it and love me and be proud of me. And then I realized that most people I know did not look at my stuff. And that hurt my feelings. It made me question the relationships that I have. And it took me a while to get to the place like I was just telling you that I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it for other people to support me. And I think that's been my biggest challenge. And I see this too with other people, like when they write a book or they launch a podcast or write a blog, they're like, why don't my family and friends read my book? And I think just realizing like nothing is a reflection on me or what I'm trying to do. And I'm not trying to do it for validation or approval I think that's been helpful even just in my normal life, not just podcasting. So I am going to say this, assuming based on what you just said, that most of those people who weren't supportive aren't listening to this. Those are not good friends. <laughs> like That's a terrible response to someone who is trying to better themselves. I think to them, they felt like it was a judgment on them what you were doing and it wasn't. It was you bettering yourself, and you should never have been punished for that decision. And I'm sorry that you experienced that. But, you know, based on what I know of you, this short conversation that we've had, what you're doing, what you're trying to do, I am sure there are plenty of amazing people out there who would love to be your friend and support you and back you and give you the kind of positive reinforcement that you so deserve. And if some of those people are listening, yeah, I said it. Deal with it. <laughs> They're not listening, so don't worry. We can yeah. talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> so what has been the biggest lesson you've learned in podcasting? Like, I'll put this more on like a technical front. You know, you spoke a little bit about just do it, right? Like, just go out there, just put yourself out there and take a chance. But what have been some lessons that maybe you've picked up that you could pass on to someone listening who's thinking about starting their own podcast journey? I'm trying to befriend a lot of podcasters because I think podcasting is just so cool. And I think along the same lines of what I was saying before, like don't 
overthink it. Don't edit your episode to death or record your intro 10 times. Just do it and put it out there. And if your first 20 episodes sucks, then you learned and the next 20 will be better. And I think people can get stuck in perfectionism and worrying like about their their icon and and their sound quality and their I don't know how they ask a question or how they post it on Instagram and then they just never do it. And I think that if you feel compelled to start a podcast, just do it. I mean, I bought a $20 mic from Amazon and I Zoom called myself and I love my podcast. I think it's awesome. So like you really don't have to be like podcasting expert to do it. I think just do it and learn along the way. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I've tried to say that better myself in the past. So that's fantastic <laughs> advice. The other thing we want to do is we always like to talk about the causes that are important to our friends and our guests who come on the show. And you chose a cause to write love on her arms. Of course, folks, we'll put a link in the show notes, but the website is T-W-L-O-H-A, the first letter of each word, to write love on her arms, the dot com. Tell us what is this charity all about and why they're important to you. So there's a lot of amazing charities for addiction or mental health awareness, but I like this one particularly because they raise awareness for addiction, depression, self-injury, and suicidal thoughts. And the founder of the charity helped a friend get help And the way that he did that was selling t-shirts to cover the cost of his friend's treatment center. And it wasn't initially supposed to be this big charity, but other people hearing that story, it became a thing. And now they have a scholarship to help people get treatment. And I think it's really important. I think getting treatment is really scary. The idea of it's like showing up to rehab and knowing that's where you're going to be for a bit. And the idea of judgment and there's so much shame around it. Like there's a lot of internal shame when you're struggling with addiction, but when you quit, there becomes this external shame that you're a failure. And I think that a lot of people resist getting help and support because of those feelings. And and this charity just raises awareness that all the things you struggle with are normal and they help people get into treatment and save lives. Well, I think then it sounds like a fantastic organization. Sounds like a great mission, what they're trying to do. And so again, folks, we'll have a link to to write love on our arms, com. We'll also put a link so you can donate directly and Remember, as we have said in the past, you don't have to put a lot on there. For a lot of these charities, just showing more donations, even if they're smaller amounts, can be very, very beneficial to them. So if you know this sounds of something of interest to you, you want to support, you believe in what they're doing, check out the link in the show notes and please try and give them some support. Jillian, I mean, you've given great advice and great wisdom, but any other parting advice for folks listening who are thinking about taking their fight public and sharing their experiences and putting themselves out there online, whether it's audio or or in your case, writing like you do on the site so much? My advice is just do it. You're doing it for other people. You're doing it for yourself. It's very easy to get caught up in 
in wanting validation from the people close to you in your life, but I think we just have to remember we're not doing it for them. And if they don't listen or read or whatever you're doing, that that's not the reason you did it in the first place. So I think just put yourself out there and there's so much love. The amount of love I've received just in the small amount of time I've been doing this is crazy. And I would say just give it a shot and the support will surprise you. Love it. We have been chatting with Jillian Teets. She's the host of the Sober Powered Podcast. You can learn more very easily at SoberPowered.com. And again, links to the website, her show, follow on Instagram, check out the charity to write love on her arms, all that in the show notes. We'll have links there. Jillian, thank you so much for joining us here on Call Spots today. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a Cause Pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.